Welcome to the Moving Up Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Wilson, CEO of the Wilson Group Real Estate Services, and my passion is creating success in people by sharing my experiences in real estate, entrepreneurship, and community involvement. My partner, Heather Wombrode, and I will be hearing from expert leaders in these spaces and giving you practical advice to help you accelerate your business. So pull up a seat because we are about to have a lot of fun. It's time for you to move up. Hey guys, repeat guest today, and Heather and I are so excited. We have Scott Layden back. Hello. He's, hi, and he spoke with us on Database, if you remember from that show. And today we're going to be talking about working with investors and how to work with investors and how to get investors financed. I mean, that's where you excel, Scott. So welcome back. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Very excited too. about this. Yay. Yeah. Very good. I feel I feel like I'm with investing royalty. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'm I like to invest. I met with my financial planner this week actually, and I look at when he invests my money, and then when I invest in real estate. You know the phrase "invest in where you know." Yes, mm-hmm. he does not get mad at me for investing too much in real estate and too little with him. No, because that my stuff with him just doesn't. And I love him. I know he does a great job, but it just doesn't feel like my real estate. Yeah, and as, as Warren Buffett says, he says, "What's risky for me." Or what's not risky for me might be very risky for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? He said, because I really know what I'm doing. Yeah. He said, it doesn't have to do with my money. He said, if I had no money today, I'd have lots of money in a year because I know what I'm doing. So if you know real estate, I can't think of anything better. But then again, I'm kind of a real estate addict. I absolutely love investing in real estate and mm-hmm. helping people build wealth in real estate. It's my favorite thing to do. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Building wealth in real estate through investment. What is the first piece of advice you start giving investors? Say you're working with a first-time investor. The first thing to know is is your why. Is And that isn't a why. As I, you know, might be something fuzzy, like we went to a seminar and they said, know your why because you want to provide for your children or something. That's not it. It's like, know, know how much money you want to have. Mm-hmm. Know that you want, you're in here to invest. And what are all of the whys? Do you want to provide great housing for people? Do you want to provide wealth for yourself and your family, et cetera? Are you willing to do what's necessary to succeed in the type of investing that you're looking at, right? And so the why that changed my life was I was working, I I had gone back to school in my mid to late 20s at UCLA in real estate and finance. And the reason was I had been a professional trumpet player and synthesizers wiped out my industry. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And change is everywhere. Change is everywhere. Whether, you know, so anytime you think that it's over, it's just over until the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's the real thing. There's always exciting opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I now look at that as a real blessing and a real change of my life. I had been really good as a trumpet player, so they didn't make me study hard in school. I didn't have to learn anything else. So I just played trumpet really well. Were you there yeah. on scholarship? For well, I, I did in North Texas State. I was, okay. But I went out and played on the TV shows like Heart to Heart and things like that back in the 1980s. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you know this total rabbit hole? I apologize. <laughs> Do you know Don Klein? He's the former CEO at Greater National Association. Yeah, of well, I, I've met him. Yes. Yeah. Don was a trumpet player. Oh, no kidding. That's yeah. awesome. And I just love that. He actually played on Hee Haw wow. a few times. That's and very I cool. hope that it was a trumpet, not a horn. I think it was a no, trumpet, I mean, though. It's probably was. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I didn't know if trumpet players knew each other. So. Well, sometimes we do. Sometimes, sometimes we do. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm now to the point of my life where I'm back, like playing in church quintets and doing oh, stuff like that. Awesome. But, but yeah, I played a lot of a lot of sessions in L.A. and then I went to a recording session at Universal 
and it was clear they were sampling me. That's a, a term that that synthesizers use. And the, the synthesizers had gone from trumpet sounding like neat grandma's Hammond organ to digital recordings of myself and all my peers. And so we literally recorded our way out of most a of job. the business, right? Wow. It's still there, but it's about 80% less, right? Mm-hmm. So the people that are still around. And I have always had a dog, and so I didn't want to go on the road. I love symphonies, but I, but being a trumpet player in a symphony means you sit there for seven or eight yes. minutes. Your lips get cold, and then you're just totally exposed. And I'm like, that's not fun. That's panic. My grandfather had told me, he said, either do exactly what you want in life. That's ni- not 96, 97, 98, or 99% but do exactly what you want or make all the money that you possibly can and it will almost make up for it. Oh, I like your grandfather. <laughs> right? It was very practical, right? So, And that brings us back to building wealth and investment real estate. It does. Yeah. Yay. Because I, I heard people made money in real estate. Okay. Yeah. So I took a nighttime class at UCLA called the Art and Science of Real Estate Investment and it changed my life. The professor there took me under his wing, eventually hired me. It sounds more impressive than it was. His invitation to me was, Scotty, me boy, with my brains and your legs, we could do something. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was like, whatever you want, Ed, yeah. I'm in. You know? So I just kind of worshipped at his feet for a few years yeah. and he would send me on goose chases and all kinds of stuff, but I learned the business. And the business turned out to be not that complicated. I asked him once, and this is getting back to your why. I asked him, so what's the most important thing that you've taught me? Is it internal rate of return, financial manager's rate of return, net present value, and all those things that guys like me need to know. And he said, oh, Scotty, it's nice that you remember that from my classes. He said, but the real reason that we're in this business is the doubling. And I said, the doubling, what's that? He said, I haven't told you about that? I said, no. He said, son, if you buy a $100,000 piece of property, remember this is 1988, right? right? But 100,000 is easy in everyone's mind to keep as 100%. Mm-hmm. So if you take a $100,000 piece of property, put 20,000 down, so you got 80,000 mortgage, 20, 20% equity, the property goes up at 3% per year, which is the core rate of inflation in the United States, give or take. And real estate's averaged in the low five since the 1870s. So it's a nice conservative number. Mm-hmm. He said, if you make the five and change, he said, use that to pay your broker commissions, right? And he said, but if, you, if it goes up at 3% per year and you break even cash flow, no positive, no negative, and you amortize the loan on a regular old 30-year mortgage, he said, in five years, your money doubles. And I said, no. He goes, go make a spreadsheet. And I did. And by the way, back then, Excel wasn't around. It was called Quattro Pro. And 20,000 went to 41,320. That's just 3% up and amortizing that down, Down. right? Mm -hmm. So literally, when I would drive my stepsons to school and teach them about finances before they got their money for the day, we would do the doubling game. And we would say 20,000, 40,000, 80,000, 163, 26, 41, 225, 5 million. Now you're talking real money. They'd hold out their hand and I'd give them a little money to spend that day, right? Get it ingrained that there's the compounding. And what I want to say to people is especially younger people is nobody lives forever. But if you're going to buy real estate, you're probably going to be around for five years, right? Why would you buy a piece of real estate that you thought was going to be beneficial to you if you thought you're going to be off the planet in five years, mm-hmm. right? It might be for your legacy or whatever, but that's, a, that's not your typical case. It's, so you don't miss the first doubling. You miss the last one. You don't miss the 20,000 to 40 mm-hmm. or the 40 to 80 or the 80 to 160. You miss the 5 to 10 million, which is really the most fun. You know, and so the idea is start with the biggest pile possible, stay in the game constantly, keep relevering every five years, 
and you it will double. And the internal rate of return, which Ed then took me, said, son, now if you'll notice, you just doubled in five years, so the internal rate of return is approximately 15%. And internal rate of return simply means when you boil down all the cash flows to an interest rate as if you were to put the money in a bank, that's what you get, okay? So for every dollar, you average 15 cents per year. Mm -hmm. That's astounding. Mm -hmm. Now, what also we ignored, though, was if you eventually get positive cash flow from your rents and you were going to be sheltering, those of us that are still in our working years, we're sheltering our day jobs by using what's called depreciation and some of the write-offs on real estate. And so there's another benefit there. So remember that depreciation happens on residential and commercial properties at two different speeds, but they're significant. And remember, if you're in the 35% tax bracket and you depreciate a dollar, 35 cents of your tax bill just got reduced. And I remember about two years ago, my CPA walked in and he said, sit down. So he walked in my office. He said, sit down. And I said, why? And he said, you're going to want to sit down. And I said, okay. And he said, you're writing me a check for $95,000. I said, oh, oh, I thought I had a good CPA. He said, you do, but you stopped buying real estate and the dep- it's getting depreciated out. So that is another way of protecting and avoiding taxes, and that's another yield. So not only are you getting the doubling, which is a 15% rate of return, you might be getting some positive cash flow from the rent, then you're also getting some sheltering of your taxes, all right? And literally, there's this thing, which I don't like to talk about it too much because I'm afraid it'll jinx it, that finally in in, uh, the government, they will take it away, but there's a concept called a 1031 exchange, Mm -hmm. okay? I literally bought my first fixer-upper in Venice Beach, California for 75 grand, which now Zillow's for 2 million, okay? It was a fixer-upper. I would work all day and then I would lay under the the crawl lay down the crawl space welding plumbing with solder dropping on mm-hmm. me and looking at my time life how to solder plumbing yeah. thing, you know, and built that. Called sweating pipes. It's just yeah. sweating pipes, you know. <laughs> I used to joke that every girl that I dated, I mean, my poor wife probably thought this too, but thought that I wore drywall cologne. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, would, I would sand drywall and then go out to dinner. Shake it off. Just it's shake so it off. Funny. Exactly. It's like, it's like pig pen or whatever. Yeah, from right. pig pen from Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah. So when you are meeting with your investor client, you are showing them several different silos of why it makes sense to invest. Absolutely. So there's the appreciation, the depreciation, the tax sheltering, and the rents. Correct. So you have four pillars of that stool that Mm -hmm. you're making money on. Correct. Okay, I just wanted to boil it down for our listeners to make sure that they're clear that what you just said are four very important things that you need to be discussing with your investors. Absolutely. And I'm a very simplistic person. So the first two, the amortization of the loan and the increase of the value over time, right, Mm -hmm. is really what I focus on. And then the other ones I almost use as window dressing, mm-hmm. but it's been really, really lucrative window dressing. Mm-hmm. So it is it is something, especially as a market matures, like it's been a little bit like shooting fish in a barrel mm-hmm. since I came to Nashville in the early 1990s. But now we're going to have to sharpen our pencils a little bit and we're going to have to be a little more careful. That doesn't mean that this is a bad market. It really, really doesn't. To have a mature market that still has improving demographics, improving yes. you know, population, all that kind of stuff. This is still a terrific market because one of the things, when you have a market that has that, you can make a mistake mm-hmm. and you still look smart in 10 years, <laughs> right? So the real estate always makes everyone look smart over time. Now you do have to avoid the big downturns. Mm-hmm. So that would be 
Detroit as it started losing the auto industry, right? right? You want to look at the drivers of your market. Is there a reason, right? If you're a conservative person like I am as far as investing goes, you also look at all the risks that you that you can. So I'll give you an idea. In 2005, people said, why are you not investing in Spring Hill? And I said, because there's only one employer. It's GM. And if, for instance, GM goes dry or they shut down the plant, which they almost did, by the way, then all of those houses, just it just becomes a bedroom community. Now it's, it's, it's got a bunch of things going on yeah. down there, right? But back but at then, that time. It, it didn't. So I didn't put any money down there. Yes, people who bought down there guessed right, mm-hmm. right? right? But they didn't, they didn't have it. Whereas I love Nashville, for instance, because we have financial services, manufacturing, shipping, healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. Entertainment. We have such a diverse economy in in Nashville. So it used to be if country music went down, the whole town had the flu, right? You know, as far as investing goes. We don't have that problem anymore. Any one or two of our pillars could go down and we kind of absorb it, Mm -hmm. which is really safe. In fact, I'll I'll go back to my mentor one time, and this was back when 200,000 meant a lot as far Mm -hmm. as buying a piece of property, right? Late 80s. This is about a million dollar property or more now. And I said, Ed, what happens if I pay $200,000 for a property and it drops to $160,000 over time? And he said, break even cash flow like I taught you? And I said, yeah. I said, but it drops. And he goes, so eventually they're going to pay off your mortgage? I'm like, yeah. And he said, well, then you have 160000 that you used to not have. Yeah. <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just that wonderful. is so true. So true. It is true. So just wait. Hi, I'm Harry Allen, co-founder and chief relationship officer of Studio Bank. Studio Bank is passionate about what our members create. And we're here to support you through the process. We provide capital and services to build businesses. We offer mortgage and home loan options, whether you're a first-time home buyer or purchasing your fifth home. We work with artists to reach their audiences. We help nonprofits transform our community. And often, the most important work we do is simply empowering individuals to pursue their dreams. We're here because what you create matters. Let's create something together. Visit studiobank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, NMLS number 1761767. I was just having this conversation with someone, and this is whether you're an investor or someone who owns a home. A lot of people are like, well, I'm going to keep a mortgage because it's at this low interest rate. It's like free money to me, but it's still a payment. Mm-hmm. And if you're in an industry where maybe you have volatility in your in, in your industry of how you get paid and all that no matter what your interest rate is a payment is a payment right. and if you can't make that payment it doesn't matter i mean i'm so conservative i believe in paying off your mortgages and then buying more because then you have that safety net where you can start paying that mortgage down with the rents that come in from the other mm-hmm. i don't even know why i'm saying that but what your mentor said what do you have left 160,000 mm-hmm. that you didn't have before yeah. mm-hmm. exactly I love it. well i'll give you an idea one of my close friends is my cpa And so we made this deal with each other. I taught him how to invest. And he said, wow, this is great, right? And so now we both have done this for decades. We, we started out doing Bible study every every Friday together, and now we're just a couple of old guys getting together having burritos, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's still fun <laughs> and just talking about real estate and, and, and life. And Jim and I made this deal that when we turned 60, we would all pay off all of our real estate and go to cash, right? And so this is a, a, an example of leverage and what you're doing. So 
Jim, being a CPA, did exactly what he said. At 60 years old, he paid off all of his mortgages, like you were just saying, and he went to cash. And so that did improve his cash flow and things like that. And I looked at the underlying drivers of the market, and because I'm an old-time real estate analyst, I couldn't make myself do it. I just couldn't do it. There's mm -hmm. just too much. And so literally, it's been millions of dollars more. And, and Jim looked at me the other day, and he said, well, he said, the good news is you've made a lot of money. He said, the other side, though, is I play a lot of stress-free golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it goes back to what you're asking, right. um, beginning with, what is your why? What is, what is your, your why? why? Yeah, yeah. Do you... and how do you want to get there? Mm -hmm. yeah. So everyone is different. I'm like, I'm Jim. Yeah. yeah, and so that's absolutely perfect. So when you're younger and starting out, so that, that's one of our constituencies we're talking about here. Right. Right? Is let's talk about the power of leverage, mm -hmm. okay? And I'm going to use that real estate, in my mind, is a leveraged inflation play. Okay, so I'm going to explain that for a second. Okay. If you go to college and you're taking Econ 101, the professor who has to drive an old Saab, not because it's cool, but because that's what he can afford, wants to explain inflation. He says, students, if on day one you buy a loaf of bread for a dollar, and in a year it costs a dollar three, okay, keep that fact in mind. If you buy a house for $100,000, and in a year it costs $103,000, did you make any money? And all the freshmen know that it's a trick question and they're all fidgeting and they're hoping they don't get called on because they're hoping that cute person beside them will go out with them and all that stuff, right? And so he, after a poignant pause, goes, no, absolutely not. Because if the cost of goods went up 3% and the house went up 3%, you just broke even, right? So everybody follow me. If the cost of stuff went up, the cost of stuff went up. So you're just basically breaking even. At which time I would hope that my sons, who I've taught about this, would say, yeah, kind of. Actually, I never owned a $100,000 house. I had 20,000 equity in a $100,000 house. And my tenants paid the mortgage down from 80 to 78. So I paid 2,000, got 2,000 going down. And the house did go up exactly like you said, $3,000. So I made two down, three up. I made five grand instead of three. And I never had a $100,000 house. I had 20, so now I have 25. So I made 25% on my money that first year. And because you're such a smart professor, I made 22% net after 3% inflation. <laughs> yes. you know? And I'm not driving an old Saab. And I'm That's not right. driving. Probably they might. I mean, I drive an old pickup truck yeah. because it's I think, cool. I think cool. well, I think of compound interest, you know, my mentor drove a 10 year old Cadillac with a dent in the door because he couldn't get a good price to fix it. I said, Ed, why don't you do that? He was so rich, so rich, just a wonderful guy, completely unaffected by his money, Yeah, you know? And he said, son, it's going to cost me $1,800. And then he did doubling. He said, I think I'm going to be in this game for another 20 years. And he did uh, multiple doublings over the five-year period. And he said, I'm not paying $10,000 to fix a dent. He literally saw oh the future value that he would have from that money as what he was paying to today. And I've kind of assumed that. And now I have to fight backwards a little bit and loosen up a little bit. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, would, I drive a 10-year-old car just because I hate buying cars and it, it still looks fine. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> like, it still looks okay. Yeah, I like my I like Not my today. Pickup. It's really gross and dirty and has sap and stuff on it. The sap this year is on the tough. trees. Ugh. Yeah. So what is your why on investing? You know, it's changed because I just hit some numbers over the last little bit. I'll, I, I'll tell you a fun story. My wife and I were in what's called the core for a while. I was in the core, which is a, a coaching program for loan and real estate salespeople, right? And they made us do our family budget once a week, once a, once a month, sit down with our spouse and say, this is our budget, mm -hmm. which of course was the most miserable evening of mm -hmm. every month I sitting down. <laughs> yeah. 
But there was a time when about a year into the marriage, my wife was not happy that I was buying another house and I hadn't bought a new bedroom suit. Well, being a guy, I hadn't noticed that she asked for one. So I knew she was pretty hot at the time. And at, so I knew what every guy knows. I'm getting a bedroom suit, right? <laughs> I mean, you tell me if it's clear, I know what I'm doing, right? And I told her, I said, hey, I run a mortgage company. And it's a good day job. But the real money that we make is investing in real estate. And she said, don't you give me that. I saw your tax returns. You have millions of dollars of real estate and you made $4,200 last year. One HVAC system goes out. You're broke. This is a hobby. <laughs> right? This is what happens when you marry a nurse, right? Yeah. yeah. Who's really good at stopping heart attacks. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I decided that I needed to tell her what it was, you know, what it was going to be like. So I, I prepared my presentation and I showed her. I said, well, hey, when we got married, I got a big life insurance policy to take care of you and the kids just in case I go early. I said, but I hope to waste money on life insurance. That's the one thing I want to waste money on is life yeah. insurance, right? And it's going to be me and the cockroaches at the end of the world. That's, what, that's my plan. Mm -hmm. I said, if, if I make it to 70, I said, if I die, all of these mortgages get paid off. And this is how much money you get in rent in perpetuity. This isn't just for 10 years or retirement or whatever. This is forever. And then you can give it to the kids and the church and whatever else, right? So that is the why. It starts coming in. What are, what are you able to do for other people mm -hmm. over time? And I said, but this is how much money we're going to have in our 50s. And she just looked at me. She said, you're kidding, right? And I said, no, this, that's it. And she just stood up and walked off. I thought, man, I do not understand married women. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't understand. I'm not good at marriage. I just, I just, I'm just, I, me and the spreadsheets just need to hang out. About eight years ago, we were doing our monthly budget. And we were in our 50s. I was in my 50s. And Barb's a little younger than I am. I looked at her at 7 or 8 o'clock at night in my office. And I said, there's your number. And she said, what number? And I said, the number I showed you at the kitchen table a year into our marriage. And we both cried. Oh, my goodness. It was just one of those moments yeah. where we just went, oh, my gosh, we did this thing, mm -hmm. right? And not only that, it worked. What I believed worked. And that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. Now, stand back. I literally don't know anybody who bought real estate and held on to it and bought more real estate and held on to it and bought more real estate and held on to it that isn't thrilled, Right. Yes, water heaters only break at 4.30 on Saturday afternoons mm -hmm. when you're already dressed and ready to go to dinner, right? That's only when they break. Tenants will have these problems. And when you have one house and you have one problem, 100% of your business seems terrible. Mm -hmm. But once you have dozens of houses, you got one problem house, you got this going on, you've made a little money or maybe a lot of money probably over time. It doesn't have to be the best market in the world, but that is... What you can do now there's a point where you do pop out the top and you think i've got more money than i need what can i do with it right and you can do really cool things with money that you don't care about mm -hmm. right i mean i've never been one of those people that really gets excited about spending mm -hmm. right it just doesn't make me happy i'm a milltown kid for me i love riding around on my tractor and hanging out with friends and going hiking and stuff like that so it doesn't take a lot of money i mean i have a nice house and want to provide for things. But my why at this point is not a legacy to achieve immortality, 
but I believe we're on the planet to serve each other, mm -hmm. right? And make life better for people. Barb and I have been doing homeless ministry. We've been doing Room in the Inn for 24 years. Mm -hmm. I started doing homeless ministry in 1983 in Venice Beach, right? When they put the schizophrenics out of the asylums and sent them all over California screaming at telephone poles naked, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm, a, I'm drawn to that. So that would be a why. Helping people that have tried really hard and can't quite make it is fun. It just gives you options to take care of people. Yeah. Right? And so that's my why. Gotcha. Yeah. Now it's a really, awesome. it's a strange moment, right? Because now I'm at that point in my life where I'm putting in less hours at my day job. You know, I'm just having conversations and then my team's doing the paperwork and things like that. And now I'm trying to find more significance in those things. And the thing for my why is don't just invent a why. Go after real need. Go after real help. Now that may be different for me than it is for you, Right. We're all called to different things. Right. 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 So some people would be helping, you know, rescued animals, and, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So you find your why there and your purpose. Yeah. Scott, once again, amazing information. So helpful to anyone listening. And I hope our listeners, if you're thinking about investing in real estate, you pick up the phone and call Scott Layden because yeah. this is powerful information. And I can speak from my experience Wealth building through real estate is where it is. And look at your end game. Don't look at the obstacles that you perceive may be within real estate investing. Look at your end game and go after it and go after your why. So guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. Another great show with Scott Layden. And as always, if you have questions or topics you want Heather and I to discuss, reach out to us at podcast at wilsongrouprealestate.com. See you soon. Call ATA, CPA, and advisors to help you with all of your accounting needs. ATA can help you amplify your business with tax planning, client accounting services, advisory, and assurance services. Contact partner David Hart and the ATA team today at 615-662-2727 or visit atacpa.net to get started. Hey, if you're loving the show, we would be delighted to hear from you. Be sure to go over to your podcast app, scroll down to where it says ratings and reviews, and tell us your thoughts. Your words might just be what the next person needs to tune in and move up in their life. This show is edited by Elizabeth Evans Media. Nashville is one of the nation's top three relocation markets. So whether you're moving yourself, your family, or relocating an entire company, our relocation coordinators are here to guide you through the step-by-step -step process of relocation. We understand there's much more to a move than changing your address and packing. At the Wilson Group Real Estate Services, our relocation coordinators provide a high level of expertise and experience in making sure your move is seamless. So check out our website today at wilsongrouprealestate.com or give us a call.